It's Wednesday, August 26, 2020. Welcome to the Philly Press Box Radio Roundtable brought to you by the Irish Rover Station House in Langhorne, PA, and Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. I'm Bill Furman. I'll be your host tonight along with my partner, Jim Chet Chesko. Hey, Chet, the Flyers, wow. They, they made our heartbeat today, but it's a nice bounce back win. They even the series, seven game series, one to one with the Islanders. The Sixers are swept out by the Celtics. Brett Brown's been fired since our last show. We got all kinds of activity or inactivity tonight in the NBA. The Phillies retooled their bullpen, but some of the same results. And the Eagles open up just 18 days from now. Well, first of all, I can't believe that the NFL season is starting in a couple of weeks, Bill. That kind of blows my mind. I'm not ready for that. We'll get to Brett Brown's firing and more Sixers talk later on. Uh, yeah, that Flyers game, I was a little worried. We we're, we're maybe going to be in a bad mood tonight, but fortunately it ended nicely and we're feeling a whole lot better about that. Yes, we are. I tell you, uh, the heart as in Carter Hart certainly, uh, made, made our hearts beat a little harder today, but Hey, we got a couple great first time guests tonight. I can't wait to talk to former Phillies closer in 1993, National League champion, Mitch Williams. And Biscuit T's owner, Kim Perrant and Jody Smith will both be joining us, too. Yeah, I've said hello to Jody on social media and gotten to know Kim quite a bit over the last month or so through messages. And I'm really looking forward to talking to both of them about their business and the Oscar Strong campaign. And, of course, their take on the Flyers, the big win today, and how the series is going to go. Can the orange and black get past the Islanders? And, you know, what's ahead? But we're talking baseball first, Bill. Let's get it going. Let's do it. Let's talk Phillies with the wild thing. Mitch Williams, welcome to Philly Press Box Radio. Thanks, guys. I appreciate you having me. All right, Mitch. Uh, this is Chet. The other guy is Bill. We do call him the other guy because that's what he is. And we have so much to talk with you about uh, tonight. Let, let's start with the current fills. And I guess the area that you'd have the most insight about, and that's the bullpen. As a, as a former reliever yourself, how tough has it been to watch these guys who've taken the mound in the sixth through ninth innings this year? And what the, and what the heck's wrong with Hector Neris, by the way? Well, Hector's in a unique situation. He's one of those guys that has an unheadable pitch, but at times it's uncatchable if he's not commanding it because it's not a split. Everyone calls it a split. It is a fork ball. It's a slip pitch. It's basically a 90-mile-an-hour knuckleball. So it's you go back, Contreras used to throw a fork ball when he was with the White Sox. He actually played for the Phillies too. But his issue has got to be strike one. As long as you throw strike one as a closer, especially in close games, you put the hitter at your mercy. Now you don't have to go back into the strike zone again. So he has to get ahead better. Hey, Mitch, from a closer standpoint, which you did for a good part of your career, uh, you know, they always say those last three outs are the toughest three outs. Uh, what's the mentality? Why, why are those last three outs so much harder to get? I just think they – I don't think they are. I, I'm not one of those guys that believe the, the last three are the hardest. I always thought the seventh and eighth, those were the hardest for me. I, I didn't pitch well in those innings because I didn't couldn't get the hitter's ego involved in the at-bat. You bring a guy up in the ninth inning in a one-run game, if I throw strike one, I don't have to throw, go in the strike zone again. They're going to chase up out of the zone because they all want to read their name in the paper the next day. So I took advantage of the hitter's ego. 
if you pitch me in the sixth and seventh or the eighth, I had to throw strikes and strikes get hit. Prior to last weekend, the Phillies bullpen ERA was right around nine. How much better are they now that they brought in the new guys, Brandon Workman, Heath Hembry, and David Hale? I think they're much better. There was a couple of those guys that really didn't belong on a big league roster. Yep. And the Phillies were forced into using them. I, I didn't like the bullpen. I, I looked at it and I look at Brian Price. I know he's an excellent pitching coach and I'm thinking, well, if he can get the bullpen ironed out and get them into slots where they're comfortable pitching, that's great. Then they got a chance. That's all Girardi's looking for right now. He is trying to find that guy that's going to be his seventh and eighth inning, two left-handed and right-hander, and then his closer. But up to this point, he can flip a coin. He doesn't know. Hey, Mitch, looking at these guys today as they pitch, you know, as you said, lefties, righties, a lot, a lot more specialty stuff when you pitch, which – Really wasn't all that long ago. Um, do you find do you find that good? I mean, you got to the big leagues because you could get people out. Does it really matter if you're facing a lefty or righty? You just go in there and go out. I'll tell you this: I hated facing left-handers, I, especially early in my career because I missed up and in a ton to left-handers up on the way to right-handers. So that part of it I didn't like. But I, I look at it and I just—it's hard to say, really. Give me a question again, <laughs> other guy. <laughs> I got off track. No, no, I was just saying about lefty-righty matchups. And, and, oh, you yeah. Know, it the... never mattered to me. It, it really didn't. I would rather face a right-hand. Okay. Hey, the Phillies have some pretty good players. They brought in D.D. Gregorius, who's having a good year. And, of course, J.T. Real Muto and Bryce Harper are off to an astounding start this year. Uh, speaking of J.T., uh, You're going the Phillies, in and out. of course, they want to resign JT Romuto. Will it all come down to the best offer after this year? Or does he want to be a Philly or what? The way I look at it, the longer this goes, the more he is going to end up a Yankee. And oh. that's just how I feel about it. I, I really do. JT is in the driver's seat. Yep. What's a, a glaring weakness on the Yankees? Sanchez is not a good thrower. He's not hitting. JT would slide into that lineup. And do you think that Yankees give a shit about going over the luxury tax limit? They don't. Right. Right. Well, hey, Mitch, let's talk about the starting pitchers that the Phils have put together. Zach Wheeler is pitching okay. Uh, Aaron Nola is pitching well. Jake Arrieta, eh, not so sure. And then four and five are not so good. But what about the innings these guys pitch or lack of innings? It's more about pitches than innings. It's a whole generation of pitchers. I mean, probably two generations now that I believe that baseball is ruining with pitch counts. They're making these kids come to the big leagues. They're starting at nine, 10, 11 years old saying you can't throw more than this, this amount of pitches. Let's use an example, little league world series. They have an 85 pitch count on those little league backwards. In my opinion, it's not the number of pitches. It's how they are delivered. I threw my entire career and never got stiff or sore throughout my career. I never iced. So wow. I don't understand. And I threw every single day during the season as hard as I could throw, whether it was long toss or in a bullpen or in a game. And they just don't do it anymore. Well, speaking of getting tired and sore, we need to ask you about 1993. And uh, a lot of people say that maybe you had nothing left in the tank 
by the time the World Series came around. Is that true or false? It has zero to do with anything. I've said this my whole life. I was taught when I was 17 years old when I first signed by Tom House. A hitter don't hit how you feel. He hits what he sees. If you execute pitches, I wasn't throwing forward in Jamie Moyer. I can promise you that. <laughs> but Jamie could locate, and I had a hard time locating in the series. Yeah. Hey, uh, Mitch, speaking of the World Series, I, I heard you, you know, you've heard the story a million times, so we're not going to go over all that again. But I heard you say something uh, about a month ago, I guess it was, when the Flyers were just going to Toronto for the bubble. You were on WIP, and I, I was listening. I heard you say uh, – well, if the Flyers need anything up there, just drop my name and uh, they'll be well taken care of in Toronto. They'd all I, have I limos. You've adjusted well to, uh, I mean, it's life. It happens. And, you know, you've adjusted well after uh, the Philly fans weren't quite so kind to you. The Philly fans have always been great to me. I, the people that got pissed, they had a right to be pissed. There was no one alive more pissed than me. Hmm. And I can tell you this, no one called me anything that I didn't call myself. So that's where I stand on it. I love the town of Philly, great sports town. As long as you fight as hard for them as they fight for you, you'll get along good here. Yeah, I saw that uh, you once said that your years with the Phillies were the favorite three years of your baseball life. What was it about the three seasons in Philly? Was it the teammates? Was it the fans or, you know, the fact that you were able to get to the World Series in 93? What made you so happy here? Uh, the people. I'm a big believer in honesty and I, I never needed smoke blowing up my ass when I sucked. If I sucked, I suck. <laughs> when I do a good job, I just walk off the mound. But when I sucked, I don't mind hearing about it. I heard about it from my father, my whole childhood. That's why I got where I got. <laughs> good deal. Well, he makes three seasons uh, as we were saying in uh, before the show, and it seemed like you were here a lot longer than three seasons, but in those three seasons, you pitched in 200 games, had 102 saves. That's uh, a that's a great run for just three seasons. Well, I only spent three three seasons in Texas and threw in 232 games. <laughs> I like the ball. I was one of those guys that was actually pissed. I when I first came up, I honestly believed I was supposed to pitch every single night, and I got mad if I didn't. So if I didn't pitch in a game, I threw a 50 pitch bullpen every night. If I did. A game. My rookie hold the game of eighty five games my second year. But I was still not at Mitch and I, I just don't see that too very much anymore. Well, Mitch, the, the magic number is three, I guess, because I want to ask you something else. You had three hits in your 11-year career, three for 16. And by the way, your 188 career batting average is about 50 points better than what Scott Kingley's hitting this season, but that, that's a whole other issue. Uh, your, your first hit as a Cub, if I'm not mistaken, was a home run. And, of course, your third and final hit in your career was that uh, one with the Phillies at 4.40 a.m., July 1993. And, first of all, I got to say, I loved your line afterwards when you said, I do some of my best work at 4.30 in the morning. But how often <laughs> do people, just, how often do people ask on, you about that hit? Oh, yeah, lots of people bring it up. It's uh, just one of those things. Uh, I worked at it. I was a closer knowing I wasn't going to get a hit. But. I used to go out and work at it and I paid guys to throw me extra BP. Hmm. I was a hitter coming out of high school. I didn't want to pitch. As far as I know, I still hold the home run record in the state of Oregon for high school. 
So I didn't want to pitch. I wanted to play first base, but they had other ideas for me. <laughs> well, Mitch, I have to ask you, everybody knew the wild thing. Where did Mitchie Poo come from at that night? I have no idea. That was Harry's deal. <laughs> Harry would call me that. He was the only one that really, he was the one that started it. And then Dutch picked it up. And then Inky. And when it's those guys, they were my teammates. It's fine. But I don't want a whole bunch of people calling me that. <laughs> <laughs> Mitchie Poo. All right, Mitch, you said there was nothing off limits for our conversation tonight. So I have to ask you, you had issues with both Kurt Schilling and Lenny Dykstra over the years. You had that crazy WIP roast five years ago where you and Lenny did a lot of name calling, nearly came to blows, I think. How did things get so bad between you guys? Well, nothing nearly came to blows in that roast. I mean, it was just a, a nothing deal, really. Okay. It was just a, a, a stunt. And at the time, I, I was unemployed because I'd been fired from Major League Baseball Network based on by rumor blog, which I ended up having to go to court and sue, and I ended up winning. But it didn't stop them from getting me blackballed in the sport as, as a broadcaster. So I had to find something to do to make money, and that was one thing that made me money. I don't – I'm not a big fan of Lenny's. Lenny was – I've said it a thousand times, the smartest baseball player I ever played with and the dumbest human I've ever met. <laughs> I believe it. <laughs> oh, well, and, and what about Schilling? Uh, you know, I guess of, of everybody, that was a good team, obviously, but uh, if anybody probably has Hall of Fame credentials at, at the end of the road, it's, it's Schilling. Uh, what do you see, I don't that? believe that. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to argue with you on that. I don't see him as – if they add a postseason wing to the Hall of Fame, he's a first ballot inductee. Yeah. How do you look at his 22-year career? And he won 216 games in 22 years. That's not – it's a – the Hall of Fame is a body of work over a career. Jack Morris won, I believe, 254 in 18 years in the American League, facing nine hitters a night. Kurt pitched 12 years in the National League, where he only had to face eight hitters a night. So – I look at it and it just doesn't compare when I look at a guy like Jack Morris. They want to bring up ERA and all that. I can tell you this for a fact. I played with a Hall of Famer and Greg Maddox that every guy that ever walked and played behind him wanted him to win. And every guy that ever played behind Kurt couldn't give a shit if he won <laughs> because he was just that kind of guy. That's why he won in the postseason. Because everyone wants to win in the postseason. They're all playing hard. Kurt, he would have been a Hall of Famer if he'd have been a better guy, a better teammate. But he was one of those guys. If the team went out there and went 20 and 142, if he had the 20 wins, that's all he'd care about. Yeah, and now he's creating things, uh, you know, politically and whatnot. So that's not helping his chances either. Yeah, best hey, of luck in your about... political career. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I want to ask you about your manager, Jim Fregosi. I know you've had a lot of respect and a lot of great things to say about Fregosi. Uh, tell me about your relationship with him. And is it true that he once asked you to cut your mullet? No, he tried. <laughs> and when he, he asked me about it, I went and dug up his baseball card and showed him how shitty he looked with the angels. <laughs> he had them pork chop sideburns. His hair was all out of control. I said, you're going to tell me to get a haircut. <laughs> I know. I said, when I turned 18, I decided how long my hair would be. 
Well, <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mitch, back back on that '93 team to the good guys, Dutch and Cruck and Hollins and those guys. That was a good bunch of guys. Mordini, uh, that was a good bunch of guys, and it seemed like you guys might have had a little bit of fun along the way. No, we we had a ton of fun. That was the most fun I've ever had playing the game of baseball from at any level. When I was, we won the state championship in high school. That was fun. That '93 team was unbelievable. It was the best group of guys I'd ever been around in my career. Everybody talks about Dutch Dalton being such a great leader. Uh, how was he such a good leader? What did he do to make everybody want to, you know, help the team win? Well, he wouldn't hesitate to whip somebody's ass in that clubhouse if it needed it. And, and that's where that is missing all over the game. Where is the leadership? If you got to grab somebody by the throat to get them to do their job, grab them by the throat. It's that simple. We're here to win games. That's what Dutch was. They, Jimmy was probably my favorite manager. Him and Zim were both up there because he gave me the confidence I had in myself. That's where a closer gets his confidence is from his manager. And he let me get myself out of more jams that typical managers wouldn't. They'd panic, get somebody else in there. The only person them are, well, my walks bothered everybody but me. I never I never worried about a walk. They say there's no defense for a walk. Well, there ain't a great big defense for that fucking ball hitting the left field bleachers either. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, Mitch, speaking of teammates, I wanted to ask you, you, you only had one year with him. He was at the twilight of his career. But what about Dale Murphy? You got to play one year with Murphy. What kind of guy was Murphy? Crucky was right when Crucky came out when Murph came to the Phils and said, Mormons have to go on their missions, and they decided to send Murph here to the <laughs> Phillies. So Murph was a great guy. We're from the same hometown. He graduated from Wilson High School, I believe, in Portland, Oregon. I grew up 12 miles south of Portland, so we're from the same area. Never meet a nicer guy. Hey, you're doing a podcast now twice a week, Mitch, uh, down in our old stomping grounds at Wildfire Studios. Good bunch of people down there. Uh, yep. You're doing it twice a week now, as I said, Monday and Friday. Tell us about it. You're working, I guess, with Ray Shipione and yep. uh, our buddy Taylor producing. Uh, how's it going for you? Uh, we're getting adjusted. Uh, we went through four or five guys that were, we were looking at to, to co-host with me, and Ray and I seem to fit pretty good. He's a real down-to-earth guy. He's very knowledgeable about baseball. Yep. We'll find out how knowledgeable about football and the other sports he is when we get through baseball, but I'm enjoying it. I've always had an opinion on the game. I've always been honest about what I think, what I feel, and I think people appreciate that. You can sugarcoat shit all you want, but it don't change it. That's right. Well, Mitch, speaking of that, I mean, there's a lot going on in the world of sports. Uh, you follow it all, I know, in Philadelphia. You're watching the Flyers. You watch them today. and ah. <laughs> Yes, I watched it. Yeah. yeah was, uh, uh, thank scary. God they won it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. What do you think about that young Carter Hart? Uh, we got a young star on our hands here in Philadelphia, I think. I think he's only going to get better. And I think the fans in Philly will only make him better. This kid, he, he's full of heart. <laughs> I didn't mean to make that his last <laughs> name or anything. <laughs> no, but it's a great last name for him because that's what he plays with. He's very skilled. He's quicker than hell. And the overtime thing today, if they don't win that game, I think the series might have been over because to be up 3-0 and lose 
that takes all the wind out of your sails as a team. So that was a huge win for them today. Yeah, for sure. Hey, speaking of other young stars in Philly, I think I caught part of your uh, part of your podcast the other day where you were talking about Ben Simmons and uh, you like his talent, but you had some questions about Simmons and his unwillingness to shoot. Tell us about that. I don't follow basketball, but I watched the playoffs last year when the Sixers were in it. And I watched him in playoff games get to the hoop and just not finish. He would dish the ball off rather than shoot. And then I looked at him. I said, how do you pay a guy $170 million? It doesn't have a jump shot. Yeah. You got to have a, five tools in baseball to get that kind of money. I guess you just have to be able to, he's got a great set of skills, but shooting should be one of them. So he needs to either learn. Uh, you know, you got to get these guys to play. And Chet, we always talk about Joel Embiid. I'm not on the Joel Embiid trade train because I don't know what nights he's going to play that bothers exactly the you know and and how are you going to come in and coach this guy up if you don't know when he's going to play that is a guy that what I was speaking about earlier with Dutch there Dutch led that way you think I would walk into that clubhouse and look at Dutch and go oh man I've got a hangnail I ain't playing Hell, I'd get the shit beat out of me in the clubhouse. <laughs> and that's what should happen in that Sixers clubhouse. Someone, there needs to be a coach take over that team that is militant in the way he goes about his coaching because these guys, that's exactly what they need. Hmm. Uh, getting back to the Phillies, uh, I know you're not a big fan of the expanded postseason, but uh, it is what it is this year. Do you think the Phillies can? They're only a couple of games out of the final wild card spot. Can they actually contend and maybe make a run in the postseason? With uh, their top three starters, I'm, and I look at Arietta's start, not this last start, two starts ago. To me, he looked like a typical sinker guy that w- was just too strong. I know he had some days off, more days off in between starts on his last one, not the one yesterday. Mm-hmm. And he just too strong, couldn't find the strike zone, couldn't locate. Yesterday comes out, gives up the home run early in the first inning. But then he starts to nibble and pick. I loved it when he airmailed two balls to the backstop. That was right up my alley. So, yeah, <laughs> I do think they can compete. They're going to have Joe's got 30 something games to get this bullpen ironed out in the way he needs it. Yeah. Hey, Mitch, I have to ask you about the, the two rule or two of the rule changes so far this year. How do you like the seven inning double headers? And how do you like putting a guy on second when you're the guy that's got to go out there and get people out? That's a joke. <laughs> That's an absolute joke. I know this. I the first thing I said, who gets the loss? You do. I ain't taking it. <laughs> if I walk on the field and there's already a runner on second and the inning hadn't started yet, that ain't my guy. <laughs> right. So you can literally give up a fly ball to right. He could tag, get to third, give up another fly ball, and you got it. They're gonna hang an L on you. That's ridiculous. You could face yep. three guys, give up a run and not give up anything else and get a loss. That's wrong. Yeah. I hear you. Give it to the damn commissioner. What do you think about, how do you like them seven inning games? I'm fine with that in in this COVID shortened season. I'm fine with that. I don't have an issue with that at all. It's some of the other rule changes. One of them, I can tell you this, Manfred was testing the waters during this COVID deal. Because the CBA is up after next year. Mm. 
if the players think he ain't going to try and get every single rule he got in in COVID back in in the new CBA, they're nuts. Tony Clark's smarter than that, so I, I know he knows what's happening. But that's what he was trying to do. He ain't a baseball guy. He couldn't spell baseball. All he is is a labor lawyer. The only thing he knows about baseball is he couldn't play it. That's it. <laughs> hey, Mitch, I mentioned a couple of weeks ago when we had Chris Wheeler on that I'm actually kind of a fan now of the designated hitter. Uh, I've come around on that. What do you think about the DH for the National League permanently? No. Uh, no. I will always be a guy that believes that the nine guys that are on the field ought to be the nine guys that come to the plate. If you don't okay. want to look stupid, work at it. <laughs> there you go. I'm, I'm with you. Because, and I guess the funny thing to me, Mitch, is, and you mentioned it about yourself, uh, you know, when you were in high school, you were a hitter. You were a ball player. That's why <laughs> you are what you are. And then all of a sudden you go to minor leagues, hey, you're a pitcher, and they take your bats and you never see them again. Remember, you did the big leagues and they want you to hit. Uh, you know, it's almost like going up there with your hands cuffed. Not me. I always live by the theory of swinging bat is dangerous. I think I only struck out once in my career. But wow. I was going up there looking to hit. And I had to face closers all the time. That game at 440 in the morning was up a guy that had over 600 saves in Hoffman. Yeah. But I warned the catcher if he threw me a changeup because I played with him in the San Diego organization. I said, if he throws me one changeup, I'm going to hit you right in the fucking head with this bat. <laughs> Oh, gosh. Mitch, final question for me. Your favorite baseball movie, the obvious answer is Major League. Is that what it is, or is it something else? Uh, yeah, Major League would be up there and Bull Durham. Bull Durham, okay. because I played in that stadium. Ah. It, it was a great park in Durham. And no, I never hit the mascot or nothing there. But that was actually the only minor league appearance I had in the minor or relief appearance in the minor leagues is in Durham. And Mitch, I have one final question for you too. You you set a pitching record uh, for appearances and games and whatever uh, along the way. I guess before you got to the Phillies, what was that? An appearance record? Yeah, I pitched you... in eight. I pitched in eighty games in uh, my rookie year. But so didn't you throw, I could throw every day? Didn't you throw a certain amount of games in a month? But yeah, you were telling uh, us that about was, that. that. That was with the Phillies. I don't know if it's a record. I'm just saying it won't ever be done by a closer again in August. Oh yeah, that record was yesterday was the anniversary of uh, I won my eighth game in August of 1991. That's amazing. I went I went eight and one with five saves. I gave up three earned runs in 22 or 22 innings in August that year. So you threw, basically, you threw in 20 to 22 games in 30 days. No, I threw in 15 games. It was multiple innings. <laughs> wow. There was a few of them that I came into that I had to go two innings. So And eight wins and five saves. That's pretty good. Uh, hey, Mitch, before we let you go, where uh, where can people listen to your podcast? What else you have going on? People can follow you that want to talk baseball. Well, I'm on Twitter. Uh, Mitch 90 or Mitch Williams 99, I believe is my handle. I'm not sure. It might be Mitch 99 Williams. I they think can that's find it. me at the big guy roping, <laughs> but, uh, I'm working, uh, with a company now, Raymond transportation corporation. When I was going through the lawsuit, these pair of brothers that owned a transportation corporation, I ended up coaching their kid in flag football and they offered me a partnership in the business just based on how I was with the public the people, the kids, and that's what I've been doing since. 
I'm a partner in Raymond Transportation Corporation. I go out and visit with people and drum up business. Good deal. And how about your podcast? Where can they get that? Then you can go to Wildfire or, you know, go to MitchWilliams99.com. It'll give you all the instructions on where to find the podcast. It's Mitch Williams Unleashed. Yep. Uh, Wildfire is doing it. Good stuff. Good deal. Well, Mitch, thanks for coming by, man. Great stuff. We could talk. I could talk about this stuff for hours. Well, listen, Monday at 11 or Friday at 11. You'll hear more of it. Absolutely. Thanks, Mitch. Good deal, Mitch. You bet, guys. Take care. Take care. Appreciate it. All right. Hey, Chet, good stuff, man. If you're looking for insurance in the tri-state area, we got the spot for you. Allstate Insurance in Westchester, PA. Yes, we do, Bill. And one of the best benefits of having an Allstate insurance policy is getting a local agent like Dave Lavoie, who is dedicated to you. Building that personal relationship means you can work with someone who knows you and understands your family's needs. Someone you can call when you have questions or, you know, need help. Dave is dedicated to protecting what is most important to you and your family. So call Dave Lavoy today at Allstate in Westchester, Pennsylvania. The number is 610-430-0700. Again, 610-430-0700. And, Bill, I hold in my hand right now an album that uh, I'm pretty sure you're familiar with. It came out 45 years ago this week, a little thing called Born to Run. I tell you what, Chet, that's that's the anthem right there. That that's it. That's the song of songs right there. Uh, and all the Furman boys know that. You can see the uh, the people can't see, but you can see our producer there. All of a sudden, his his head was going too. He's only heard that about a million times. And you know, I actually bought the album version of it like a year later at a used record store in State College, PA, Happy Valley, for two dollars and fifty cents. That was a good investment, right there. There you go. I, I bet you wore the vinyl off it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, Chad, a lot of Sixers news, like we said, started last week. The Sixers got swept out by the Celtics. They fired Brett Brown. Safe to say the process has failed. Then we got some other news today in the NBA. All games canceled. Uh, That's not good for the NBA, I don't think. Um, What do you make of the Sixers situation right now? Oh, man. I mean, it's a mess, Bill. Let's face facts. You could say that the process was a failure. I mean, look where we are. But as I noted in the piece that I wrote for our website earlier this week, the process actually did what it was supposed to do. It put them in the position to acquire assets to help make them a better team. You know, Sam Hinkie said, we got to get these assets. And they had something like 37 draft picks over the last seven years. But their talent evaluators, Hinky, and then more so his successors, picked up, along with Joel Embiid and Ben Simmons, guys like Jalil Okafor, Nerlens Noel, Dario Saric, Markel Fultz, Zaire Smith, plus Furkan Korkmaz and a slew of second rounders, none of whom really panned out quite the way that they would have hoped. Trades and free agent signings, a lot of them didn't work out either. Al Horford most recently. Uh, So there's a failure in picking talent and then Brett Brown and his inability to get the most out of Simmons and Embiid together. And here we are kind of back where we started from seven or eight years ago. So I don't want to go through another process, but it's going to be a long road back, I fear. Well, I guess the real question, you know, I think we knew what was going to happen with Brett Brown. But the real question was, to me, if Ben Simmons plays, if he's healthy and he plays, do they have a chance of competing in that series? And if they lose in a competitive series, the Brown get the boot. They Honestly, they didn't have a chance going in against the Celtics. I didn't know if they'd get swept. 
but they didn't have a chance to win that series without Simmons. No, I think they could have competed and maybe even won that series, but I don't think they would have got past uh, the first, the, the second round, no matter what. They're just not that good. They just didn't have the chemistry that you need as a team. And uh, I think it was time for Brett Brown to go. Much as I liked the guy, he was always, you know, honest and forthcoming, a very likable guy. But as with Andy Reid after 2012, I think it was just time for a change. Yeah, well, and we got it. Now who knows Who knows what's going to happen from here? Um, first got to get a coach. It sounds like Elton Brand is not done, that he's looking at uh, possibly some other moves, uh, maybe in the scouting department or wherever they're going to go. He's talking front office, so who knows? Yeah, there's going to be some more changes there, and then they got to find a coach relatively soon. They're talking about the current assistant, Ime Udoku, and, of course, Tyrone Liu. Kenny Atkinson are also in the mix. I don't think Jay Wright's, Jay Wright's coming here. I think he'd be silly to consider coming here. He's got it pretty good at Villanova. Well, hey, I'm going to throw this out at you because we have just one more second before we get our next guests on, but uh, Don Staley's name got thrown around in the newspaper today as a – possible candidate what do you think about a female head coach in the national basketball association i think it could work but i heard uh some talk on the radio about that yesterday and i agree i think it was mike missinelli saying she doesn't have the nba assistant experience and i think you might need that first as a stepping stone so i don't see it happening just yet yeah she's done everything you could possibly do as a coach at the collegiate level and as a player uh, she's done it all so it would be interesting. She's a Philly girl. And she's tough, and uh, but somebody got to make Joel Embiid play. Yeah, so it's going to be an interesting next couple of months, and then a, an interesting next season. Whoever the coach is, let's talk hockey, Bill. Come on, let's talk hockey. We got a pair of great guests joining us for the first time in Biscuit Tea co-owners Kim Perrant and Jody Smith. Welcome, ladies. Let's go, Flyers. Oh, they're muted. I know we always have that problem. Let's unmute them, shall we? So we can actually hear what they say. There okay. you go. Hey. There you are. <laughs> I hope you're in a better mood now because at about 5.30, I was really worried after the Flyers blew that 3 nothing lead. Uh, I thought, oh, no, they're not going to be a good mood tonight. But uh, they got it done, and now we're all happy. Gonna be good. We were like, hopefully this turns around, so we're in a little bit of a better mood. <laughs> hey, uh, Jody and Kim, let's talk first before we talk more hockey about your business. Um, if I'm not mistaken, you know, you sell t-shirts, hats, and beanies, and here in 2020, face masks. But am I right, Kim, that you just began this venture about two years ago this summer? Yes, it was two years ago in July, July. where we first launched our stuff. So it's it's very new. Seems like forever, but yeah, it's pretty new. What? Uh, obviously, you hit hit it with the Oscar Strong. Uh, everybody's wearing them except me. I need one. We'll get to that uh, later on. <laughs> where we where I can get a couple of those. Uh, but you know what? What came up with that idea, and how did it catch such fire? Where everybody in the National Hockey League was wearing them. It was awesome. Oh my God, it was so amazing. Like when uh, we originally were just making them for the players and then, you know, we tried to branch out to raise money for Hockey Fights Cancer and it was just exploded in ways that we'd never even imagined. We thought maybe sell a thousand shirts and donate, you know, some money. And we ended up, what, 11,000? Almost 12,000 12, shirts. 12,000 yeah. shirts in wow. real time and just the two of us. Yeah. <laughs> Most people think we have other people that help uh -huh. us with the shipping and the fulfillment and we don't it's you're looking at it. So it was wow. a lot of shirts for the two of us to be um, you know, 
handling and making sure they get out and handling exchanges. And it was, it was, I mean, it just shot out of a cannon and didn't stop for about six weeks. So, and then when the Rangers reached out yeah. and asked, they were in town playing and asked um, us to give them some shirts for some of the guys that wanted to wear them. And then that just took off with the other teams too. So yeah, I have a picture right here of uh, Sidney Crosby and a couple of the other Penguins actually wearing them. You know, much as we all don't want to like Sidney Crosby, that was pretty cool. I said when that picture hit, um, that's the one day that no one in Philadelphia hated Sidney Crosby. Yeah, yeah that's right. That's right. So, so did uh, I mean, what happened? Did just some random person call you up and say, hey, I'm Joe Smith from the New York Rangers. Can you send us five dozen shirts? I mean, how'd that work? Well, a woman reached out online, actually, and said, you know, um, that some of the players wanted to wear shirts, and she saw, like, she Googled Oscar Strong shirts, and we came up, and she reached out to us, and and um, and it just kind of snowballed from there. Yeah, it just kind of started, other teams started contacting us every time they were here playing the Flyers, and it just kind of became the norm. So, um, again, we were so grateful that so many people embraced it, and, um, you know, we posted the shirt on social media and immediately the sales started and they just didn't stop. So it was really overwhelming and powerful and um, just, we were so lucky and grateful to be a small part of it. And, they yeah, and then this year you got a lot of TV coverage also channel yeah. six earlier this year, channel 10 recently. So that's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, before we let you go later on, we're going to let you let everybody know where they can find you and your merchandise. But I want to talk a little hockey first. And Kim, I also want to mention that, I know you saw the piece, something I had been trying to make happen for a couple of years. I did a fun interview with your dad. That would be Bernie Perrant, by the way, folks, there's Bernie and Kim right there. And in, in all honesty, it was one of the most fun interviews that I've ever done. And one of the ones I looked forward to the most, all Flyers fans of a certain age, remember, you know, Bernie, the hall of fame goalie, and now the great ambassador for the Flyers and hockey in general. But what was it like, Kim, growing up with Bernie as your dad? You know, I, I really didn't know any different. You know, I thought everyone's dad was on TV or all this stuff that <laughs> happened was what happened. So I really didn't know any different when I was real young. I would get upset when we would go out because people would take all his attention and I wanted his attention, you know, and he, so he'd be, and my dad would never turn away a fan. So he was always gracious that way. So, um, so in those times it was a little annoying for me as a kid, but for the most part, you know, I didn't know any different and grew up in the, Calls of the spectrum running around and meeting so many great people. So, you know, I can't complain. We had, we had a lot of fun. Oh yeah. Well, yeah. it looks like, it looks like from the sign that you have behind you, behind you about being the daughter of uh, Flyers great Bernie Perrant, it hasn't hurt you as you've pursued this uh, biscuit teas deal. <laughs> it certainly helped, you know, get with the name, getting open doors. Um, but luckily, we have such a great product that once the doors were open for us, we could stand behind that. And, you know, you can only go so far with open doors. But our, we just, our stuff is, is so awesome. What to send you guys some. Yeah, we definitely it. will. So comfortable. Yeah. There you go. All right. So the, the Flyers, Kim and Jody, um, what are you feeling about this team? I know we were all worried today when they blew the 3-0 lead, but... Do you think they can actually, you know, make it to the finals or win the Stanley Cup? Oh, absolutely. I was nervous from the get-go against the Islanders. Islanders yeah. I just, you know, I just, I knew it wasn't going to be easy, but um, of course we can. 
we can whichever year that cup. the Flyers to win the cup yeah. this year between absolutely you know, talk about gritty right I mean the, the, the COVID and the quarantine everything being weird like this mm-hmm. is our year yeah so I just feel like it's <laughs> and it's with the time. Oscar ringing the bell yeah. I mean come on you know what, what a perfect way it would be to tie that all up yeah so what's going to happen? Well, let me back up. I got another question before that question. Um, what other line of shirts do you guys have? We talked about Oscar Strong. You do a bunch of other uh, shirts too. Tell us about that real quick. Yeah, we have a bunch of different designs. We have the Broad Street shirt that a lot of the guys wear in the locker room or in their post game interviews. It's just Broad Street on the front. Um, we have some gritty shirts, of course. We have um, one of Kim's drawings of gritty. We have a Stay Gritty Philadelphia shirt. Um, we have some Eagle stuff. I know we're talking hockey right now, but we have a Go Birds sweatshirt, a Go Birds t-shirt. Um, we have uh, Philly, it just says Philly or Philadelphia. Um, we have a bunch of stuff. So we encourage everybody to check out our website at www.biscuitteas.com. And there's something for everybody for sure. And yeah, because we, it's 2020, so, you have a lot of masks also, right? There's yeah. that, right. Who would, have, who would have ever thought? We have yeah. actually <laughs> questions. Like, should we... Do some masks? Like, is are people still going to be wearing them after a while? This is right? our newest mask, the Lord Stanley. Oh, beautiful, <laughs> timely. Yep. Yeah, but got it. Obviously, you know we and and our, we love ours. Again, they're super comfortable and breathable and all that stuff. So we really stand behind our quality of our products. But yeah, we were doing a lot of stuff before the stuff happened with Oscar, and then of course the Oscar stuff, you know, took took over. But we have a lot. We really did. It's very original. I do all the hand drawings on all the pictures, the shirts that have pictures. I hand draw them and um, it's just, they're fun, unique. Chad, you there? I'm here. I, lo- oh, I thought I it was your you. turn. We take Hello? turns. <laughs> I, I lost you there. Um, so you said biscuitteas.com. We could go there. You can place your orders right there. You'll ship it. Everything's pretty well in stock. You can get it right out. And, uh, yep. Mm-hmm. Good yep. deal. I'm going yeah. to be checking it out, Chet. Definitely so, check it out. You're going to love it. we got some good stuff on there. So, Jody Jody, and Kim, what is your uh, background as far as, you know, becoming friends? And are you a lifelong Flyers fan also, Jody? I am, yeah. I grew up in the uh, in the Philadelphia area, so I've always been a Philadelphia sports fan. Um, Kim and I met a couple years ago through a mutual friend, and we just kind okay. of hit it off um, right away. And we, I, you know, we both had full-time jobs, and we both had this you know, little creative piece of ourselves that we wanted to express in some way. And we were actually at a Flyers game together and we were looking around and um, so much of the apparel looked the same. Everything was, especially for women, it's very boxy or cottony and, you know, bedazzled. It's just not our style per se. So, and around the same time, Kim discovered that she was a really good artist. We were like, she was saying, wouldn't it be cool if I could do something with, with my drawing? And I'm like, wouldn't it be cool? I always wanted to own a boutique or do something fashion related. So we kind of married the two. It literally the next day we met at a diner mm-hmm. and started sketching like names and logo ideas, and it just rolled from there. Yeah. I mean, we just we went from meeting once a month to uh, twice a month to every week, yeah, to, a couple times know, a week. Yeah, and so we, and building we, building the business on napkins. It's fantastic. We actually did. We literally. drew our logo on a napkin. Yeah. I mean, talk and, about. Uh, uh-huh. We sourced the, the shirts that we liked. We found just the right material. We wore out our welcome at the diner. We definitely did. <laughs> we haven't been back since. Yeah. yeah. Well, hey, hey, Kim, Kim, I have to show you this. Our producer back there, Chris, might freak out when I do this, but yeah, ah, there, there we go. There you go. Up <laughs> on the top corner, number one. Yep. That's so awesome. Fun. 
So Kim, uh, I'm not going to say how old you are, but I know how old you are. And I'm going to tell people that you don't remember those two Stanley Cups because of how old you were at the time. Huh? And uh, so I do want to ask, what are your favorite Flyers memories or favorite pl Flyers players from over the years? Uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, my favorite memory ever is the uh, Winter Classic, watching my dad play. And there was five minutes and the stuff leading up to it and you're just hearing all everyone with the Bernie, 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 tears. And it was just for me being not being able to remember him really playing. That was super special. Um, but, you know, I mean, Pelly was he was a real close family friend. He was at our house a lot. He was like my dad. I mean, Pelly and you know everything about him and his fiance. They're a big, you know, bright spot. Uh, you know, on our history with the Flyers and all that. So, you know, I don't know. I just, I love, I love this team right now. Yeah. I love the players. I love what we have going on. I love Carter. It's just, it's a fun team. So it's so special. There's something special about yeah. this, this team. I feel like I just, I think that just the way they're gelling and playing for each other as a team, I just think, I don't know. There's a really special vibe right now. Yeah. They're a tight group, which you need. To win, so. So hey, before we let you guys go, oh, one one other thing, one other prop. Oh, you got everything. Oh, look at that. He's quite the collector, this guy. Hey, you actually have a hat and a beanie with that mask on. We so do. You should check that out. Oh, all right. Well, that's where I was going to go. Before we let you go, uh, tell us again where can people find you uh, besides your website? You on the other social medias? Uh, lay it all out there. Let everybody know where they can find you guys. Well, we're on what all the social media, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Instagram. all under Biscuit Tees. And then our website, BiscuitTees.com. And everything's on there. And uh, we have a lot of great pictures on our social media and stuff that really show the personality of our, our gear. And so I would uh, encourage people to check that out. It's fun. Awesome. Yeah. All right. All right. Well, hey, thanks for coming by, guys. We certainly thanks. appreciate it. Good luck with your uh, with your business, and uh, I will certainly we'll be reaching out and getting a couple items. Awesome. Sure. And go Flyers! Go Flyers! Go flyers. Yeah. All yes. right. Thanks, thanks ladies. Again. Thank you, guys. All right, guys. All See right, ya. Chet. Let's uh, take another quick break and thank our friends at the PPCC 118 Raz Room. They post great sports memorabilia on their Facebook page. So people can take a chance of winning something they may not be able to afford or have access to. All items come with certificates of authenticity. They continue to run out great autograph memorabilia for all the Philly teams and more. They have 11 line razzes, mystery boxes, and now a memorabilia shop. Check out their Facebook pages. Like them or follow them. It's PPCC 118 Raz Room and PPCC 118 Raz Room Shop on Facebook. Yeah. All right. Hey, Chet, great guest tonight. And Mitch, uh, Kim and Jody were fantastic as well. Uh, good stuff, man. We, we, we got to laugh a lot tonight in spite of the craziness uh, that's going on in the sports world. Who we have coming to Philly Press Box Radio next week? Yeah, well, first of all, this was one of my most fun shows that we had tonight because uh, three great guests, man, they were a lot of fun. Well, Bill, the Flyers and Islanders may well be playing a game six next Wednesday evening, the time to be determined at this point, of course. So that could conflict with us a bit. We'll see. But we will be on either way next Wednesday at 7 p.m. likely, and we will cover the entire Philly sports scene with 
our old pal Fred Hugo, a.k.a. Freddie Burns from the Edge of Philly Sports. We're going to see what Fred has to say about the state of the Sixers and the Phillies and his take on the Eagles and find out how tough it is going to be right now for fantasy football players who are dealing with all the uncertainty. Yeah, that'll be interesting to see. Uh, I can tell you, Chris, uh, our producer, he got into a fantasy football league. He had a draft the other night. I don't know how you have a draft. And uh, because that leads us right to where we're going, Chet. Eagles are two and a half weeks from opening day. Uh, there's little to no discussion about the NFL. Uh, it's really going to be interesting. Yeah, see, I provided you with that nice segue there, Bill. Uh, yeah, I really have no idea what to expect from the Eagles just yet. You know, we hear that Wentz and rookie Jalen Hurts, who may or may not be the second-string backup quarterback right away, have both been looking good. Uh, Jalen Rager supposedly looking good, the w rookie right wide receiver. Uh, the problem, there are a lot of injuries already on the defensive side, especially the defensive line. We discussed a couple of them last week. Another guy went out today, I believe. Uh, but while it looks like the season will start on time, it's anybody's guess whether they're going to manage to get 17 weeks in with no interruptions. We'll see. Yeah, well, and you know, uh, my other son, our original producer who's on hiatus with the Indianapolis Colts, um, he sent a little video the other day of the Colts practicing in the stadium with no fans. It was like practicing in a cavern or playing in a cavern. I mean, there's just no sound. There's no anything they're going to pipe some stuff in, I guess, because you're going to be able to hear everybody talk. Um, they got to have a little bit of noise just so you can't hear a quarterback calling a place. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's going to be really, really strange. I think it really is. And it all kicks off two weeks from tomorrow night, I guess, when uh, the chiefs will be in action. Then the Eagles play the following Sunday against Washington and uh, it's got to be weird, but you know what? We got to get in that football mindset bill before September rolls around. Yeah, and I, and I don't know how exactly that's going to happen, Chet, because I think what's going to happen is all of a sudden you're going to be sitting there on Thursday night and there's going to be a game scheduled and you're not really going to know about it. They're going to, I guess they're going to start promoting. Uh, but you haven't seen any promotions even, hey, season's starting in two weeks. Be sure you join us. There's none of that going on yet. Yeah, it's been it's been real quiet so far. You haven't heard a whole lot at all. I mean, we we do know that they're planning to start on time. We know there's a new Monday night football broadcast team ready to roll. Uh, we know the Eagles open in Washington. Uh, I hope Miles Sanders is okay. He had a little minor thing last week, but he should be all right. So I don't know. We'll just stay tuned over the next couple of weeks. And I guess two weeks from tonight, Bill, we're going to be doing our Eagles preview show and making our predictions and hoping for the best. Yeah. We're not even going to know who's, who's here and who's not. <laughs> we won't have seen any preseason. You know, that's the other thing about these camps, Jeff. Uh, they're not hit. These guys aren't doing any hit. They're practicing separate. The defense has one practice time. The offense has another practice time. It's uh, at some point got to meld them together. Um, but you know, it, it, everything is so different and, and just, they don't even have the guys in the building at the same time. And that, you know, they're trying to keep as much separation as possible. So, uh, you know, at some point you got to strap them up and, and get after people. Yeah. We talked about this previously, the fact that a lot of times the first week or two of the regular season, it's a little sloppy. What's it going to be like this year when, you know, they haven't been doing the hit and they haven't played any preseason games. Uh, I don't know what to expect, but I guess we'll find out September 10th, 13th, whatever. 
Yeah. Hey, we, we got to talk about this for just a minute because I think it's important with what's going on around us. The NBA canceled all their games today. Um, Major League Baseball had two canceled when we came on. I guess a third one has now been canceled, a West Coast game. What do you what do you make of all this, Chet? This is unprecedented. It really is. And it took me by surprise. I mean, I, I guess I understood the Bucks doing it because, you know, they're from Milwaukee. And the incident the other night happened an hour, hour and a half from where they are based. But then it spread to the other teams and the NBA deciding to just cancel all three of today's playoff games. And then it spreads to baseball, you know, first the Brewers, obviously, and then a couple other games, as you mentioned. So I don't want to get political. I don't know if you do, but it's just very strange. I understand it, but it just it just doesn't make you feel good about sports right now when you have all of this stuff uh, getting involved with it. But, I mean, yeah. it's up to the players and the leagues. Yeah, and I, I guess politics aside, you know, trying to stay out of that, I guess my, my thought is from a player standpoint, it's not like 30,000 people aren't coming to your game tonight. There are no fans in the stadium, whether it's baseball or 20,000 for basketball, whatever it is. Uh, they're not coming. Your games are on TV. So what exactly is it you, you are really accomplishing? You're not, you know, you sit down in front of the TV, the basketball game's not on, you go put something else on. It's I, I don't know that that impact that you think you might get, I don't know if that impact's really there, I guess. Yeah, I, I don't know what their point would be other than to draw attention to the whole situation and, you know, their feelings about racism and injustice and all of that. Uh, so, yeah, even though there are no fans involved, they are still drawing attention to the whole situation. And maybe that is enough for them. I don't know. Yeah, well, we'll see. You know, we'll see where it goes. If it's a, it's a one day deal, they're going to be back to work tomorrow. Or is this a long term deal that? you know, really affects seasons, you know, uh, obviously in basketball, you're already in the playoffs. So um, it's a big deal, I guess, uh, to get to the finish line of the playoffs if you're going to get there. And in the meantime, these guys are still in a bubble. So it's not like they can go out and do anything, at least at this point. Yeah. So the Phillies are playing right now. Is that correct? They are. The last okay. I saw it was one-to-one. -one. Yes, okay. Phillies are playing. That's good. All right. fly, Flyers play again tomorrow. And, uh, you know, we carry on, Bill. Yeah, well, that's all we can do. Hey, Chet, uh, we're running out of time. You have a parting shot tonight? Believe it or not, I didn't do a parting shot. But I want to ask you, because I was just thinking about this. I told you I was out last night doing some errands for my wife. And I noticed this a lot. Uh, Chick-fil-A, Bill, even at like 845 at night, there are like three lines of cars and the Chick-fil-A people are coming out, taking the orders and everything. You can go buy at like 5.30 in the evening. You can go buy at 8.30 in the evening. Chick-fil-A is always packed. Are you a fan or what is it about Chick-fil-A? It's okay, but am I missing uh, something? Honestly, I am not a real fan of Chick-fil-A. There are some people in my family that are. Uh, <laughs> is is uh, Chris one of them? Because he's smiling right now. Uh, Chris is one of them and his mother is one of them. But uh, I usually try to do the pass on the Chick-fil-A as much as possible. I, I, I mean, I don't dislike it, but it's just not my favorite. But you're right. I mean, you go by there anytime. It, they're wrapped around the buildings. Yeah, it just amazes me. But I'm okay with it. But let's wrap it up, birthdays? Bill. 
no birthday, musical birthdays, nothing. Nah, I, I was lazy this week. I was too excited about our guest to do any uh, peripheral stuff. All right. Hey, we uh, we do need to reach out and see what we can do with uh, and get us a couple of teas. What do you think? Yeah, maybe we can work out a trade, you know. Yeah, there Philly you go. Pressbox radio t-shirt. I like the way you're thinking. All right. Anything? Well, I had to go flyers today. It was game day. Yeah. Don't forget, get your t-shirts. We still have some left. Order some from our website. Oh, yeah. And how about the YouTube? We got that YouTube channel on. still there. Come on. We need you to subscribe. We need you to check out all of our videos. I'm going to go crazy this weekend and add a few more segments on there, as well as break down this week's show, put it out in separate segments. So check it out. Philly Press Box Radio on YouTube. You'll be glad you did. All right. With that, let's wrap it up. Jet, thanks to tonight's special guest, Mitch Williams, Kim Perrant, Jody Smith, our sponsors, the Irish Rover Station House, Bob Sullivan's LikeYourAge.com. PPCC 118 Raz Room and Dave Lavoy of Allstate Insurance in Westchester. For Jim Chechesco, this is Bill Furman. We hope you enjoyed the show. We'll join Philly Press Box Radio next Wednesday, September 9th at 7 p.m. You can see us on Facebook Live or listen to our website, phillypressboxradio.com, on blogtalkradio.com slash phillypressboxradio, or on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, and all the other podcasts. So with that, High hopes, Philadelphia sports fans, and let's go Flyers. We have-